It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome aboard. America's first national park is not celebrating its 150th birthday the way it wanted to. Heavy rains over the last week have led to severe flooding, rock slides, washouts, and other hazards in Yellowstone National Park, resulting in a complete closure of all entrances into the park. According to the National Park Service, the Yellowstone River has flooded at a record level. The north end of the park has been particularly hard hit, with multiple road washouts and bridges being damaged, and power was out throughout the park as well this week. National Park Service rangers have been working to evacuate visitors from the north and south parts of the park where the flooding's been worst, and the prospects for visitation to the park are a huge question right now going forward for the rest of the summer. The main road from the entrance in Gardner, Montana to Mammoth Hot Springs in Wyoming will likely take years to rebuild, and that is just one of the roads suffering washouts in the north end of this massive park known for its thermal features, trout fishing, big game wildlife viewing, and lots and lots of crowds who come to visit every year. If you have a trip planned to Yellowstone this year or even in the next couple of years, you can expect a good portion of the park will be closed to travel because of the flooding that's occurred this week. This week on America Outdoors Radio, we've got more of our public lands to talk about. We'll be talking about our national wildlife refuges, too, because the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is planning on banning the use of lead ammunition and lead tackle to include weights and jig heads and the like from a number of their refuges. Brian Lynn with the Sportsman's Alliance will join me later in the show to talk about this issue and discuss how this action and others that may follow could hurt hunters and anglers without benefiting the wildlife in a meaningful way in these very refuges where these changes will take place. Getting back to summer travel, if you are planning on heading to Wyoming, to Yellowstone, or to southwest Montana to fish the Yellowstone River, your plans are clearly going to have to change. Fortunately, we've got an alternate destination for you anglers out there, and that would be the Sooner State of Oklahoma. Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, who is an avid hunter and angler, will invite you to come fish the Oklahoma Fishing Trail and try for a Grand Slam, catching several of the different species of fish found in this state, known not only for great bass fishing, but also very good crappie fishing and fishing for some rather unique species of fish you'll hear about too. Speaking of crappie, I'm looking forward to introducing you to Christine Ostertog. She's a freelance writer from Wisconsin who wrote a great article about catching, cleaning, and cooking crappie that I think you're going to love. And if you are going to clean a mess of crappie, you'll certainly want a sharp knife, which is why Josh Warren with WorkSharp will be joining us to tell you about some great products they have that will sharpen up those fillet knives and other knives you have in the kitchen too. Oh, and just in case you forgot to get something for Dad for Father's Day weekend, the products Josh is going to tell you about, any of them, will be a home run gift for Dad. Trust me on this. Before you head to the store to pick up a knife sharpener from WorkSharp, though, let's take a step back and talk about catching crappie. 
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Christine Ostertag on the line. She's coming at us from Spring Valley, Wisconsin. And you can find her on Facebook or you can find her on Instagram at Sportswoman Christine. She wrote a great article for Shimano about catching, cooking, and cleaning crappie that I want to share with you today. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about catching crappie. What's your standard outfit in terms of rod, reel, and line this time of year? Yeah, so normally what I'll do is I like a little bit longer rod. So I like a seven foot, usually uh, light power, extra fast. Um, and I have really, I really like the Shimano Sensolite spinning rod. And then I use the Shimano Nazi FC reel. And that's been kind of my go to. And then I also really, I typically, I like to run braid. So I will run Power Pro pretty light and then I'll use a fluorocarbon leader. And that's kind of my typical go-to. You can just do straight mono if you'd like, but I usually tend to do braid with the floral leader. Interesting. You know, I know a lot of bass anglers will do the braid and uh, fluorocarbon setup. I, I haven't heard of too many crappie anglers, but that's the great thing about this show is we all learn something new every day. Let's talk about how you're catching them. What are you putting in front of those crappie to get them to bite? Yeah, so that kind of depends. You know, early on, they're typically kind of still out in their wintering areas, and then they'll they'll tend to move shallower. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is I will cast little spinners or road runners with a small plastic just so that you can cover more water. Sure. Um, and then if you catch a, you know, one or two, then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll stop and I'll get out that bobber and minnow or that bobber and a jig and a plastic and fish them a little bit slower. But Usually when we're searching for them, we'll use a little something that we can cast and just kind of reel in. You know what's interesting? You're a Midwest angler. I'm a Northwest angler. We don't use minnows out in the Northwest. We tend to tip our jigs with like a little piece of worm or a night crawler. But minnows work yep. really good for crappie out there, huh? Yep. The minnows are kind of the, the standard go-to. You know, we do use worms and stuff like that, but they tend to like the, the minnows a little bit better. What about leeches? Do people use leeches for crappie or is that just for walleye? No, I mean, you can use leeches. I don't use a ton of leeches for crappies. I'm usually, like I said, we'll just kind of use the minnows. And, and honestly, I use a lot of plastics. I've found that plastics sometimes even work better than the minnows or live bait when fishing for crappies. This is true. I have found the same thing myself. Any particular color you like to use? I'm always a big fan of just white. So uh, white is one of my favorites. I also tend to use a lot of just like the natural colors. So, you know, sometimes crappies, too, they'll like, you know, purples and things like that. But a lot of times I'll go with, like, chartreuse. Pink sometimes is pretty good, but it's usually those natural colors. But white is usually pretty effective as well. All right. So once you've caught them, you got to clean them. And yes. you are a big <laughs> proponent of putting them on ice really quick, and you have a certain fillet knife that you really like. Yes. So if you have a lot of fish and you want to get through them, you know, pretty quickly. There is the Mr. Copy Slabomatic Electric Flay Knife, um, and that is from Smith Consumer Products. And Smith makes some great knives. If if you're not big into the electric flay knife, they do just have you know your standard curved flay knife that you can use. But I really like the electric flay knife just because it goes a little bit faster. So I would highly recommend the Smith for that. They have different sizes. They have the six inch ones. They have eight inch. It's kind of whatever you prefer as far as a blade length, but they're pretty smooth. So that's kind of my go-to. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, if you got a mess of crappie or bluegill or perch, uh, yeah, an electric flay knife is definitely a, a more useful a tool faster. than a standard flay knife. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, it, it, 
especially, you know, over here, I know Wisconsin, it's like 25 fish, panfish limit. I think Minnesota's like 10. What's it like out by you guys? It varies, but it can also be up to 25 and in some places yeah. 10 as well. So, no, you're absolutely right about the electric fillet knife. But last question is about cooking yeah. them up. And you shared a what looks like a delicious recipe, garlic parmesan crappie. I mean, my mouth is watering just saying that. <laughs> Share this with our listeners. How do you make this? Yes. So the biggest thing is going to be, you know, mixing up the, the breading that you're going to put on the fish. So what I typically do for the breading is I use panko breadcrumbs. Right. And then parmesan cheese, garlic, which I love garlic. <laughs> <laughs> Butter, which, I mean, everything tastes good with butter on it. Olive oil and then um, some pepper flakes. Basically, you're going to mix the breading all together in a bowl. Um, and then you are going to take your crappie flakes and you are going to put a light layer of mayo on it. And this basically just helps the breading stick to it. And then what you do is you're going to get the breading all over the, the crappie flay, put it on on a tray, and then you're going to put it in the oven. And you're actually going to put it under the broiler, and then you're just going to set it to low broil, and that takes about like 10 to 12 minutes, basically until it gets crispy. And then you are good to go. So it's pretty easy. There's not a lot of steps to it. Basically just make the breading, put a little mayo on the flay, put the breading on the flay, and then put it under the broiler. And it comes out pretty delicious. The crispiness is what makes it even better. Oh, like I said, sounds absolutely delicious. Crappie folks, they are one of America's favorite fish. Go out there and catch them and clean them and cook them up and enjoy a great meal. Christine, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska lodge we talk about on this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley, to wing beats on a duck marsh, 
public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. You know, hunters and fishermen, they come from all walks of life. And that includes even some of our politicians. One of them is Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell from the state of Oklahoma. He loves to fish. He loves to hunt. And we've got him on the line. Lieutenant Governor, it's a pleasure to have you back on the air. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk in a minute about the third anniversary of the Oklahoma Fishing Trail, something you and I talked about when it was brand new. But before we do that, I want to talk about the fact that you have your very own Lieutenant Governor's turkey hunt in (laughs) Oklahoma. Boy, oh boy, tell us about this. Yeah, so this is a, uh, I think we're on the 36th or 37th annual Lieutenant Governor Turkey Hunt in Oklahoma. And it it was a really, really interesting concept. It was something that, that our Department of Commerce came up with. We do the turkey hunt all across Oklahoma in about 10 different locations, and I have to visit almost all 10 of them. Unfortunately, I don't get a hunt in all 10 of them, but (laughs) I did get a hunt this year. Kicked us off in Okima, Oklahoma. But this is a Department of Commerce event where we invite companies from around the country, site selection firms as well. It gets them to the state of Oklahoma for them to see how great of a state Oklahoma is for business and, and for people to open businesses. So over the last 35 plus years, we've uh, delivered and, and have helped move a lot of companies to the state of Oklahoma, just inviting them to Oklahoma for a turkey hunt. No matter what it takes to get people to Oklahoma, uh, sign me up for it because uh, then we can show them how great the state of Oklahoma is. So it really is an economic development event. And at the same time, we have some world-class uh, turkey hunting in Oklahoma as well. Oh, this is a great idea. I've got to ask, did you bag a turkey? I packed a turkey. Yes. Yeah. I was extremely excited. I yeah, I was pretty spoiled, too. We we had some great land. I was out of the truck at about 5.50 a.m., and uh, we had bird down in about 30 minutes, uh, which uh, usually doesn't happen that way, but got a beautiful bird. Beautiful bird. Fantastic. Well, let's transition to the Oklahoma Fishing Trail. It's celebrating its third anniversary. For our listeners who don't know what this is, why don't you explain it to them? Yeah, you know, so again, three, three and a half years ago, I was working with our Oklahoma Wildlife Department on an idea of creating a fishing trail. And, and in Oklahoma, there's a, a big reason for that. You know, we have world-class fishing. It's very diverse fishing. We have over 200 lakes in Oklahoma, more man-made lakes than any other state. A lot of people don't know that, which really means our fishing selection is very diverse. Uh, we have over 150 different fish species in Oklahoma. So we created this Oklahoma Fishing Trail. It's designed to highlight uh, the best of Oklahoma fishing. It's organized into six different loops covering the entire state. And our Oklahoma Wildlife Department kind of helped us identify those lakes. We created the Grand Slam of Oklahoma Fishing Challenge. So if you if you catch five different species of fish and upload those photos to our Travel OK website, we will mail you a Grand Slam of Oklahoma Fishing sticker that you can put on your Yeti cup or tackle box. And it's amazing uh, how many of these challenge cards I sign. I, I sign them on a monthly basis, just kind of, hey, congratulations, you completed the Grand Slam. There'll be some months where I'll, I'll sign hundreds at a time. Oh, wow. Uh, and this is, you know, grandmas and grandpas all the way down to, you know, five and six-year-olds. And so, you know, fishing is a multi-billion dollar industry, as certainly your listeners know. And uh, we're really kind of, you know, tapping into that and, and promoting some of the best fishing in the entire country. And it's, it's paid off with a very large uh, economic impact 
big economic boom for the state of Oklahoma over the last few years. We were a top five state in new fishing licenses sold last year. Uh, and I guarantee you that every state had an increase in fishing licenses during COVID. So in that competitive environment, we were, we were a top five state, which uh, we're really proud of. So Oklahoma is very well known as a great destination for bass, for crappie, and for catfish, yes. too. But I, I don't think a lot of folks are familiar with two other species that you offer there, paddlefish and striped bass hybrids. Where can yes. you catch those and tell us a little bit about how popular they are as game fish? Yeah, you know, the, the paddlefish has become one of the more popular tourism fishing trips. So this, this is a prehistoric dinosaur, as I like to say. Uh, right. I mean, there's only... I believe two states, two or three states in the country where you can snag a paddlefish. And, you know, these are hundreds of pounds. I mean, uh, people love to harvest them for the eggs as well. And so you have a lot of international tourists uh, that come into Oklahoma because they, uh, they want the, uh, the paddlefish caviar, as we call it here. It's a delicacy, and they sell it all over the world. But it is the photo op of all photo ops with a fish. I mean, it, it, they look like prehistoric dinosaurs. And the world record, the last three uh, world record holders were right here in Oklahoma. You can get that on Keystone Lake. Grand Lake are two of the main lakes for paddlefish snagging, uh, but there's a number of other areas, uh, most of it in northeast Oklahoma when it comes to paddlefish. And then the striper, again, very big tourism fish, uh, that is on Lake Texoma mostly. I was out on Texoma a few months ago, and you'll see 35, 36 you know, fishing boats out on the lake at the same time doing striper bass. It's a fun, really fun fish to catch because they fight like heck. And, uh, and so it's really fun. And gosh, we went out and caught our limit pretty quick. And uh, it's a great, uh, great eating fish, too. You know, when I think of stripers, I always think of these as fish you catch off the, you know, like the coast of New Jersey or maybe in the Sacramento River in California. I, I don't think of them landlocked in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. And Texoma, it's a really big lake. And, and uh, by the name of it, you can uh, probably figure out where it's at. It's right on the Oklahoma-Texas Oklahoma Texas border. Right. And uh, which bode, bodes well for us because, you know, it's a, it's a huge lake. And you've got a lot of Texans and a lot of Oklahomans at the same time. And again, it's a, a real big economic impact for the Durant area is kind of where that, that lake is in that part of our state. I'm actually going to be, we actually have a Lake Texoma Summit this evening, actually, where we're going to be talking about further economic development efforts on that lake. Well, hopefully you can find a little time to go fishing while you're there, but... I know, I'm trying to. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about you. What do you like to fish yeah. for more than anything else, and, and what's your favorite lake to fish in Oklahoma? Yeah, you know, for me, it's crappie. Uh, I, I love crappie. It's a fun fish, great, delicious fish as well. I, oh, yes. I and, and some of that is is just because I, I grew up crappie fishing. Uh, you know, it really takes me back to you know, going fishing with my grandfather on uh, Fort Gibson Lake. That was the lake that uh, kind of I grew up fishing on. I fish mostly at Grand Lake today. We got a place at Grand Lake, which is a you know top fifteen bass fishing lake in the country. Right. Uh, but it also is is a top crappie lake as well. We have a number of tournaments, including yes, the Bassmaster Classic and some of the uh, major league of uh, fishing tournaments now on Grand Lake because we have really great marina operations up there built specifically for fishing tournaments. But uh, those are a couple of lakes that uh, I fish on quite a bit. Lake Murray is another lake, really clean, nice lake, which uh, is in Ardmore area. That's another lake that I frequent quite a bit now, too. Well, bottom line, folks, if you want to go fishing or turkey hunting, Oklahoma would be a good bet for either pursuit. What's the website folks should go to to find out more about the Oklahoma Fishing Trail, Lieutenant Governor? 
Yeah, Oklahoma Fishing would be travelok.com. You can also go to fishingok.com, F-I-S-H-I-N-O-K.com, and you can start there. You can explore all the different loops that you can go on in Oklahoma. We'd love to have you in the great state of Oklahoma, some of the best fishing in the entire world. That's Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, folks, inviting you to go fishing on the Oklahoma Fishing Trail. Lieutenant Governor, thanks so much for making the time today on America Outdoors Radio. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Another fishing destination we want to tell you about today is Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. Much to my surprise, they still haven't filled all of those cancellations they have for the week of July 5th through the 9th. This is a four-day fishing package, four full days of fishing for salmon, for halibut, and other bottom fish at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. I am actually going to be there myself. I'm arriving the 9th, so if you take advantage of this, I'll be able to say hi as you leave and I come into the lodge for my days of fishing. If you want to find out more about this opportunity, which is a good one because they've been sold out for months, go to alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Alaska's Best Lodge.com. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got our friend Josh Warren on the line from WorkSharp because he just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, where he attended the Blade Show, which is a really big deal. Josh, welcome to America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me, John. It's good to be back in the Northwest. And yeah, Blade Show is quite the, quite the event. Well, I would imagine it being a show that's all about knives, that a company like yours that's all about knife sharpening would feel right at home there. Tell us a little bit more about the Blade Show. I don't think a lot of our listeners understand how big of a deal this is. Yeah, so if you've ever been to like a gun show, it has a similar feel. There's a variety of, of attendees and exhibitors that are all brought together by a shared passion. And Blade Show specifically is about uh, 10,000 people who attend over a weekend, a Friday through Sunday. And there's everywhere from small tables of guys who make custom knives, and maybe they bring, you know, the knives that they made over the last month or the last couple months, and they've got five or six knives there, and they're selling them, and all the way up to, you know, companies that you've heard of, uh, you know, the Benchmade and Columbia River and Leatherman and uh, these other, you know, knife companies that are production knives. You've also got everyone in the middle that's selling, uh, you know, components to make knives. Uh, so you're selling 
handle materials and pins, or you're selling uh, bar stock of steel, handle materials, pins to hold the handle together, and enthusiasts from you know the area and all over the world who are coming to either buy a limited edition or a collector's piece or something from their favorite knife maker. And you know, like I mentioned, the manufacturers who make knives just like uh, like Benchmade or Columbia River or Gerber or Buck and and WorkSharp. And so we're there to engage with you know these enthusiasts and really to uh, to help teach people how to sharpen knives. We're selling knife sharpeners there as well, so we give people a show special. But you know we're there teaching people, letting them have a hands-on experience with sharpening, and we actually have a couple of hands-on classes that we teach. It's really a great time to engage with the entire knife community. There you go, folks. Make plans on attending the Blade Show next year. It's always in Atlanta, Georgia, isn't it? Yeah, this show is specifically in Atlanta, Georgia. The group that has the Blade Show has branched out, and so they've started to build Blade Shows elsewhere. Earlier this year, there was a Blade Show in Texas, and this fall, there is a Blade Show in Salt Lake that I believe they're calling Blade West. So they are branching out some. The one in Georgia is by far the largest and most well-attended. And for those of you who don't know, on the West Coast here in the Portland area in general, there's a handful of large knife manufacturers, you know, Gerber, CRKT, Benchmade, Leatherman, Kershaw. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some. So they're all based near the Portland area with a few in the outlying areas of the Northwest as well. And there's another huge hub over in the kind of in that Southeast area. It's not quite so pack into into one city, but, you know, that whole South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia area, there's a lot of knife makers, factories over there. Uh, Really quite the hub for that. Interesting. Well, it is Father's Day weekend, and I'm thinking that maybe something from WorkSharp, especially in the kitchen or for the backyard griller, uh, would be a great Father's Day gift for those who haven't picked something up yet. What would you suggest? Yeah, we've got a really exciting line of kitchen knife sharpeners that, you know, if this is something that you want to get for dad or if you're a dad and you need to drop a subtle hint to somebody, um, <laughs> a knife sharpener is is a great tool that actually is going to bring some value back to the whole family uh, by keeping knives sharp for everyone, whether that's, you know, the steak knives that you're eating dinner with the family or uh, if that's the chef knife or the slicer that you're using to, uh, you know, cut the tri-tip after it comes off the smoker. I've got a few favorites, and we'll hit a couple of price points if we're, if we're trying to capture a range of gifts here. But, you know, starting at the kind of at the top end, we have our professional electric kitchen knife sharpener, which is a belt-style sharpener, very similar to the, you know, the technology that we pioneered with the original knife and tool sharpener and the Ken Onion edition. But this is classed up a bit for the kitchen countertop. It's a sleek black housing. It has a leather-lined angle guide that holds the knife at the right angle. And so you power on the tool. It runs for a time cycle. And you draw the knife through the guide against the belt and alternate sides. It's a rather simple process and leaves your knife with an incredibly sharp edge, uh, and it looks good enough to leave it out on your counter. That's the professional kitchen knife sharpener. What does that retail for? That's $149. Okay, well, that sounds like a great gift. Let's go a step down, though. You know, we are dealing with inflation here, and money's a little bit tight. It is tight. So the next two I've got for you, and these are I'll just highlight the three there. Uh, The next two are only $25 each. 
And I will say that they are designed more for maintenance tools. Uh, one of them is called the pull-through kitchen knife sharpener. We're really creative with names. Yes, you are. <laughs> and <laughs> it uses two slots to sharpen your knife. You've seen the form factor before if you've ever shopped for a knife sharpener, but the technology is actually a little bit different. We're using an offset skew wheel. So there's two wheels that are at a slight angle that you draw the knife through, and it's got a diamond abrasive on it. And that abrasive rolls through and sharpens the knife rather than uh, a typical sharpener, which may use a carbide to scrape off material. This is using a diamond on a wheel and it, it brushes off that metal and leaves you with a very sharp knife. I've been very impressed with it and it's extremely easy to use. Interesting. Uh, there's a second, yeah, there's a second slot that's a ceramic wheel, same technology, but a fine grit ceramic that hones the edge and does a really good job of keeping your, keeping your knife sharp and also sharpening a knife that you've let go a little too long. I will say that limitations may be that it's not going to repair a very neglected knife or any damage. If the knife has a broken tip or a very large chip out of it, it's not going to be able to do that kind of work. But this retails for 25 bucks. So really hard to go wrong with a gift like this. Oh, I agree. Well, you got about a minute left for the last one. The last one's pretty simple. It's a ceramic honing rod, and it's way better than the knife seal that your knife set came with. It has angle guides built into it, so it trains you how to sharpen your knife using a honing rod so you can look like Gordon Ramsay someday, but you don't have to come in, you know, doing the slice, slice, chop, chop on the honing rod, pretending like you know what you're doing. This one sets it up for you, and it's more gentle on your knives than a steel. It's a great gift, also $25, the ceramic honing rod. So for all of you out there who haven't gotten your dad a gift yet, here's some great ideas from WorkSharp. You can head down to a local sporting goods store. All the big box store chains carry them in terms of the sporting goods chains. And you can also find them at other stores too. Or you can also find them online if you want to give your dad an IOU. Just go to WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. And by the way, be sure to enter the giveaway that WorkSharp and Camp Chef are doing together. They're going to announce the winners for three prize packages on July 6th. The website for that is WorkSharpTools.com slash Let's BBQ. That's WorkSharpTools.com slash Let's BBQ. Josh, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks so much, John. Happy Father's Day. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. And if you are looking for a deer rifle for this season, I've got one for you. It's the Henry Long Ranger. It's a relatively new lever action rifle. Came out in 2016. It's chambered in all the calibers you want for deer hunting to include 308 Winchester, 243 Winchester, and what I've got, a 6.5 Creedmoor. They also chamber it in 223, and they even have a long Ranger Express. It's a perfect ranch rifle also in 223. And I actually had my Long Ranger out at the range last week. Had a nice evening where I frankly was just kind of working on the fundamentals of marksmanship over iron sights. And uh, I'm a bit rusty, still recovering from that broken leg in that lost season from last year. But it was nice to get the range time in and absolutely love my Henry Long Ranger. It is a good looking rifle. It looks like it came right out of the Old West. Has a detachable box magazine, which holds four rounds. Made in America. It shoots straight. It is rugged, it's reliable, and I just can't say enough good things about it. If you want to check out 
out, the Henry Long Ranger. You can find an authorized dealer at henryusa.com. And you can get more details there as well. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. The website again, henryusa.com. And the rifle I own, the Henry Long Ranger. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Remember the last time you went to MyPillow.com and you saved big? Well, now you can save even bigger. At MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell is in the middle of a BOGO extravaganza. That's buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. Now think about that for a minute. Premium MyPillows, buy one, get one free. Giza Elegance MyPillows, buy one, get one free. Sheets, buy one, get one free. Waffle Blankets. Who doesn't like waffles? Buy one, get one free. Beach towels. Perfect timing to buy one, get one free. Couch pillows. Not to be confused with couch potatoes. Couch pillows. Buy one, get one free. Woven throw blankets. Who doesn't like to throw a blanket? Buy one, get one free. Right now at MyPillow.com. And please use promo code KEN. K-E-N. Buy one, get one free. Check it out at MyPillow.com. Promo code KEN. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Brian Lynn with the Sportsman's Alliance back with us. We need to talk about a potential ban on lead ammunition and tackle on our national wildlife refuges. Brian, welcome back. Thanks, John. 
So question for you here. Am I having a sense of deja vu? Because I feel like we went through this very thing before back during the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Actually, Dan Ash under the Obama administration on his last day in office banned the use of lead ammunition on wildlife refuges. And then Trump came into office and immediately repealed the rule. And then, of course, all the headlines were that Trump was killing wildlife and poisoning the the land and the water and stuff. But it had literally been in for like a week. Now, this one's actually going a step further, banning not just ammunition, but also fishing tackle. And let's face it, a lot of fishing tackle, whether we're talking weights or jig heads, they've got lead in them, don't they? Yeah, and that's what makes this even more far-sweeping than uh, than anything else before, you know. And this goes back to a lawsuit from the Center for Biological Diversity sued over the expansion of, that Trump made in 2020. And, you know, the Sportsman's Alliance wrote the 1997 Refuge Improvement Act and pushed it through Congress, which has allowed all of these expansions since to take place. Millions and millions of acres opened up to hunting and fishing. There is strong legal precedent. There's presidential precedent. I mean, there is a great legal argument. Actually, we won a case like this in 2003 when the Center for Biological Diversity and Fund for Animals, I believe it was, sued, you know, the first time and we beat them. So there was no reason to even entertain this lawsuit. But the Biden administration sat down, closed door settlement talks, did not include us, did not include any other hunting groups. And this is what the result you see that now they're going to ban lead and this actually leaked out back in like March. A senior advisor let it leak out at a conference that they were going to ban lead. And that was our feeling all along because the other two we had already defeated. And that's is kind of the compromise that they came up with is banning it right away in like 18 refuges in 12 different states. And then any future expansions of the National Wildlife Refuge would be lead free and then they're also going to, in part and parcel of this is they're going to do a study, you know, I'm using air quotes, a study on the lead issue and decide what to do with the rest of the refuge afterwards. So I believe I understand their intent here. I mean, you know, as waterfowl hunters, we all moved to steel shot years ago because we found out that the lead from the shot was indeed poisoning waterfowl and swans and killing them. So I assume that they're saying the same thing for rifle ammunition because birds like eagles that feed on deer carcasses could ingest the lead and die. And likewise, with the fishing tackle, we're talking about loons could go ahead and ingest the lead and die from that. Is that their thinking? Is that why they want to do this? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the reasoning behind it. But, you know, it's waterfowl and deer are a little different. You're in a very concentrated area when you're shooting waterfowl, and the shot sinks to the bottom, the ducks feed off the bottom, okay? When you're talking about a deer, which fragments and how much is gets in there, hard to say. There's no definitive science behind it. The other thing to keep in mind is the North American model works at a population dynamics level. We aren't worrying about individual animals and what's happening, or else we would ban driving because of all the deer we hit. How is the population doing? Eagles and other raptors are at all-time highs. So their population is fine. It's increasing. And, of course, you have the correlation there is you increase a population, it's going to have more morbidity due to all sorts of different reasons. I mean, windmills are killing them left and right. I was literally literally thinking of that as you were saying that, that those wonderful green wind turbines kill a heck of a lot more eagles than any bullet fragments found in a dead deer do. 
That's right. So if we're working at a population level and the dynamics at play there, then this is completely unsustainable. You go in, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, start Googling this stuff, and you'll find different studies and different sciences. Most of it's biased. You don't know where it's going. But we work at the population level, and there is like zero evidence of harmful impacts at the population level. So what, if anything, should people do if they want to express an opinion about this? I understand there is a public comment period open now. Yep, there's a public comment period, so get your comments in. You can find that in the story that we posted and probably Google it up, but get your public comments in. USFWS is notoriously slow about this stuff, but uh, I have until August 8th to get all the comments in. Then they'll look at it, review it. Given this administration, it's pretty much kind of a done deal, you know, would be my guess. Uh, So we will go from there and likely have another lawsuit, just like we did in Alaska, you know, for the expansion and rule changes there under the under the Obama administration. So we'll see where this goes, but uh, it's going to be a fight. And here's the scary part. You implement it for the wildlife refuges. And if it's good for that, then the reasoning will be we need to implement this on BLM land. We need to implement this in national forests, all federal lands. And that's pretty much the end game there. Now, you want to talk about a, uh, ammunition shortage? We're in the worst ammunition shortage in history, just starting to loosen up a little bit. Now, if all of that ammo has to be replaced with non-toxic ammo, guess how long that's going to take, considering we don't have the capacity nationally to fulfill the non-toxic demand in California, we would be in a serious ammo shortage. Not to mention the inflationary increase in cost, and boy, oh boy, we're already suffering from that in so many other areas. Brian, always good to talk to you, and folks, if you want to keep up on what's going on with this issue and others, just check out the Sportsman's Alliance. Their website is sportsmansalliance.org. That's sportsmansalliance.org. Brian, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, John. Anytime. Next on America Outdoors Radio, when it comes to tournament fishing, there is money to be made, bass fishing and walleye fishing, but if you're hunting for a really big check, fish some of the saltwater tournaments out there. A case in point is the Mississippi Gulf Coast Billfish Classic, which had $1.36 million available for prize winners this year. From the Fishing Wire, we can share the results of this tournament that ended Sunday in Biloxi, Mississippi. The big winners? Well, that was owner-angler Nick Pratt, Captain Chris Hood, and the It Just Takes Time team. They swept the Blue Marlin Division by weighing the only qualifier caught during the tournament. The 763-pound blue gave the team an unprecedented win for the third year in a row. That feat has never been accomplished in the 28-year history of the Classic or in any other Gulf Coast big game tournaments. As a result, the crew of It Just Takes Time, based in Orange Beach, Alabama, took home a payout of nearly $631,000 for the Marlin Tournament Award, Crew Division, and all Marlin optional entry categories. In fact, their total winnings from the last three years are $1.2 million. Quantified a 64 Spencer with Captain Justin Drummond at the helm also had an impressive showing. Angler Cy Pape wound in the top dolphin at 37 pounds, and the team released three sailfish and three white marlin to score 1,500 points in the release division. 
This earned the crew of the Quantified a payout of $140,000. The top release boat with four blue marlin on its ledger was Ramble On, a 67-foot Billy Horton run by Captain Shannon Allman. With an optional dolphin entry, caught a 26-pounder, the team, they won over $120,000 from the tournament. Other winners included the crew of El Jefe. They boated the second-place Yellowfin at 186 pounds. Jackson Stewart was the angler. Captain Kirk Ogren runs the 70-foot Viking boat, and that Yellowfin was worth over $65,000. In addition to this, angler Drew Phillips won the tuna division after boating a 207-pound yellowfin tuna. Phillips was fishing aboard the second wind, a 72-foot boat run by Captain Marlon Brown, and that team earned $37,000 for that catch. I'll tell you what, I'm out this weekend trying to win a $500 hourly check in a big bass tournament. I need to re-examine the kind of tournaments I'm fishing in if I want to make some real money. But you know what? Tournament fishing, it's all fun. Whether you're on the salt water or the fresh water, I just love the competition that comes with this. I love how you really have to focus and be on your A game when you're fishing a tournament. It's just so much different than a fun fishing day. And don't get me wrong, fun fishing days, those are fun, especially with family and friends. But tournament fishing, it's really tripping my trigger. And I'm so glad that my best friend, Rusty Johnson, and I went in on our 17-foot nitro bass boat last December and that we're really making a go of it, fishing several tournaments this year in a boat that actually has a chance to win compared to the boat that we fished out of before. Here's hoping that you might get to fish some tournaments or at least go fishing for fun in the days ahead. And then if you're in the market for a boat that you not only find one, which is not an easy thing to do right now, but get a good deal like we did, which is an even harder thing to do. But I will tell you this, patience is a virtue and keeping your ear to the ground to be the first in line when somebody decides they're going to get rid of a boat. Well, you just might get in on a good deal there. On that note, we've got to go, but here's hoping that you are blessed in the days ahead, that your health is good, and most importantly, that you get out there for some fun out on the water or in the woods or in the field or on the beach. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 